0: Love Talk Radio Choices, decisions Frustrations and pain
1: Knowing I'm going To forget her someday their hearts and understand that I Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. This is Lori LeBay, and I am the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is a, an advocacy group based here in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, and we have all different types of platforms, the radio being one of them, a resource um, website as well. Um, we do speaking and training and have a blog, all kinds of different things. But we're all about raising awareness, giving voice uh, to those who are dealing with memory loss. And we're so glad that you could join us here today. We, um, we really believe in collaboration, and so we want to hear everybody's voice. We want to hear those who are living with memory loss, uh, personal caregivers, as well as professionals, and those that are just advocates and interested in making a difference in terms of shifting our dementia care culture. Our channel expert is Rick Phelps. And I never know if he's going to be able to make the show or not. Rick has early onset and he was diagnosed in June of 2010. And Rick is the founder of Memory People on Facebook. And if you haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend that you do. Um, it's just an amazing group that he has developed. It's a it's a closed group on Facebook where people can chat twenty four hours a day in real time, um, making connections all around the world. And so it's a it's a pretty fabulous place. There's no pitching or selling. And if you haven't checked it out, please do so. All you have to do is go to your Facebook and in the search bar, type in memory people. And at that point, um, you can ask to go ahead and join the group. And again, I, I really encourage you to do that. Um, along with Rick, we um, are also doing uh, a webinar series called Dementia Chats. And if you're not familiar with Dementia Chats, it's fairly new. We've only done it a couple of months, but it's a it's a webinar platform that is uh, free to anyone. And basically, I facilitate a conversation with uh, Rick Phelps and Harry Urban, and people are encouraged to join in and uh, make their comments and and ask any questions that they have. I believe our next session is going to be October 23rd. And you can find more information out about that by going to the AlzheimerSpeaks.com. And that is our our resource website. And if you go to uh, Tools and Products, you will see something about shifting dementia care culture, and it will list list that webinar series, how you partake in it, and so forth. Um, For today's show, I'm still waiting for uh, Kari Barrett to call in. She is our guest today. She is the author of The Unexpected Caregiver. So I'm going to fill some air here. But I also want to remind people, if you're interested in joining the conversation, you can easily do so by utilizing the chat box um, if you signed in by Facebook, or you can always call in live to the show, and that number is 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. And you just have to push one to go ahead and get into my queue. I also wanted to mention today, I got an email from Laura Cook, who is over with Alzheimer's uh, uh, Society over in the U.K. And they are in the process of pulling together a survey, and she asked me about getting this out to people. And so please uh, check out our blog, because I will have information on this but they're really committed to um, dementia-friendly communities and businesses and so forth. And so they've pulled, um, they've pulled this survey together, and they've asked for my help in terms of getting it distributed. So I will definitely um, get information to people so that, um, that we can hear everybody's voice. I, um, I'm just going to throw out there, if anybody has a question that they want to pose or a comment they'd like to make, Now would be the time to do it. I um, have a call into Kari, and we're trying to uh, see uh, if she's going to be able to make the call today or not. I just saw her last week at a venue. Savvy Seniors put on a conference, and Kari was the keynote speaker, and she just does an amazing job. I will tell you a little bit about Kari. Um, I'll go ahead and do her introduction here. Uh, Kari Barrett really provides age-assertive strategies for dealing with the delicate elephant-in-the-room issues facing seniors and their adult children. She is able to create a safe place um, to be solution-oriented where she can really diffuse cross-generational conflicts uh, between families. And this allows the, the baby boomers and their parents to learn how to address those tough questions involved in aging, both personally and as families. Kari is a speaker, and um, she's very entertaining as a speaker. She's just got a great personality. She also has a uh, a radio show called The Unexpected Caregiver, which is also the title of her book, um, which is, again, just a fabulous resource for people. You know, she kind of jokes many times that you know this shouldn't be an unexpected thing that we fall into but for whatever reason we always seem to be caught by surprise with that and i see kari is just able to join us now so let me go ahead and pull her into the show well hi kari how are you doing today
0: good morning sorry had a little uh emergency this morning
1: not a problem, that was perfect timing. I just got through with your intro, so it was like we got we got a little uh little thing going here as far as timing goes. so wonderful. I was just telling them uh, about your keynote the other day at the the savvy conference, and um what a great job you do and how entertaining oh, you, you were. but you just you know hit home um so oh, well some you. major points in terms of giving care and our perceptions and and how things need to change. So um, I'm so glad you were able to make it this morning. Yeah. So, can you give uh, our audience a little background? Um, and just, uh, this is a question I posed to everybody, just to kick it off, and just oh. let people know if you have ever been personally touched by uh, Alzheimer's or dementia with family or friends?
0: I have been touched by it with family, yes, in that my Grandfather's second wife had some form of dementia and I I had a hunch it was Alzheimer's I don't think there ever was a probable diagnosis or I didn't hear a final diagnosis and but I remember several times interacting with her and especially when she was trying to explain something to people and the frustration I saw on her face <clears throat> and all I did was you know lean down and be at her level because she was in a wheelchair and just meet her and just hold her hand and just be there. I told that story at the at the keynote the other day because it was just so important to slow down. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found with her. And so that yeah. was my personal. But then I also uh, worked in a, uh, in a dementia care community when I lived in Denver. So I, ha- I met many wonderful residents that – I just grew to love Marletta. I'd walk down the hall in the morning and there would be Marletta and she'd be looking at me and either she was up or she was really low and I'd always say, Marletta, and she'd come up and give me a big kiss and then we'd dance. And that was just (laughs) Marletta, you know?
1: Oh, fun. Well, that's a fun memories there. Um, Can you tell us a, a little bit about your um, experience as a caregiver, you know, what got you into, you know, doing the radio show and writing the book? How did, how did you land in this arena?
0: Yeah. I landed in this arena because I, when I went to get my master's degree in adult education because I wanted to, you know, teach adults, I was doing the region and language culture and that's what I thought I would like to do. I also did some side studies on activity programs in in independent living in nursing homes. We didn't have assisted living at the time. And I also did another study on satisfying and dissatisfactory experiences of professional and personal caregivers caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease. So I was doing these alternative studies kind of on the side of my degree. And then I decided to go into housing and that's when I went into senior housing, and that was when assisted living was just coming on board. So I got my feet wet there. When, when I was in and working as a manager, I had all these family members coming into me saying, oh, my mom's driving me crazy, or oh, dad won't do this or won't do that. Uh, can't you just do something about it? And I thought to myself, wait a minute. That's right. How can we so easily expect our families to take care of each other when there's a lot of family baggage going on. And that was what kind of triggered this uh, move that I made to writing my book, The Unexpected Caregiver, and how can we help adult children reconnect with mom and dad without thinking that they have to parent mom and dad, that they have to take care of mom and dad, that they're above mom and dad, but how can we get them to relate better with mom and dad, whether it's aging normally or aging with disease.
1: Okay, great. Um, I know that you have a a firm belief in why being called a caregiver is important. Can you explain that to our audience?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think once we own that name and say, oh, my, yes, this is a role I've taken on, it's called a caregiver, we start then to click in and look for resources. We start to say, okay, this is a role that I've got that I'm not fully trained for, and there are people out there to help that can guide me. I think the more of us that claim that name, the more we'll organize and better organize our support to family caregivers, because right now it's pretty scattered, as you know
1: yeah and and that education that that removal of that fear the stigma that goes yeah. with it i mean there's so many layers you know people talk about the yeah. the stigma to alzheimer's disease or all different types of things but there's there's a stigma i think that's attached to being a caregiver and the judgment the self judgment that we put on ourselves when we land in yeah. that role because right. there really there really aren't proper tools out there to help um, a community as a whole accept this role and I, I right. see it now maybe um, even even more so where people are so afraid of losing their jobs because jobs are so scarce and they don't right. dare let anybody know that they're having an issue um, at home because they don't want that being an excuse to be let go which just increases the burden even more um, right. in terms of being in this role and I shouldn't have said the word burden because I hate that but Um, but I think pressure maybe is a better word um, because a lot of people like being in that role. Some not so much, though, and I'm sure you've seen both sides of that coin.
0: Both sides, and I think sometimes um, I enjoy or I embrace my role as a caregiver today, but other times it is very frustrating. I'm, I'm on my sister's caregiver team, and there's parts of that role that, I feel certainly honored and called to do but there are other parts where I'm pulling my hair out and I just had conversations this weekend actually to try to see if I can remove myself from the pieces that I'm not helping with but no one else can do you know we get into that oh if I don't do it no one else will do it well yeah we got to find that no one else (laughs) Mm-hmm. And they are out there, um it just i think takes some it, it's hard it's hard sometimes to let go, yeah, of thinking that we're the only one that can do it,
1: well, and I think sometimes people don't even know what's driving them nuts about certain yeah. roles and have you come up with any any um tools or tips to kind of figure that off
0: well part- you mean about part of it for me is i There are not a lot of support groups out there. I've actually been in the process of I have a grant and we're forming a a peer-to-peer-run caregiver support group. And the interesting thing is I've had a hard time launching that, too, because of what you said earlier, that people aren't admitting that they're caregivers. What I find is I've got a real good support group. So when I talk through where I'm getting stuck, I can hear myself say, wow, I'm kind of just – getting into that uh, uh, wheel and spinning round and around and around and not getting out. And I've got friends that will say, you know, hey, you know, how about trying this or trying that so I can try to define my role better. I really think it's important when you get into the caregiving role to take some time and just sketch out what, your boundaries are what what your hope is in this you know how do you see yourself supporting this person what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and then talk with someone else about that i i share that with my husband and say you know here's what i've carved out and then he can look and say i think you're going outside of what you've carved out mm-hmm. and that's why you might be getting more frustrated
1: yeah, I I have actually developed a few um, exercises, and I really need to add those on to my website for the free tools portion. And one of them, I, I giggle at all the time because this happened to me in, in my family. But um, and it was it's really simple. But you think you're being even you know, as a family, dividing up all these tasks, and mm-hmm. you know, someone takes the medical, and another person is going to do the laundry, and another person right. is going to do you know whatever. And then all right. of a sudden you realize, um, and it's usually the person with the medical, that they're just overwhelmed because there's so many pieces to that right. position. You know, there's there's ordering the medications, they're getting them set up, they're <laughs> making sure that they're taking them, there's the doctor's appointment, the transportation, the communicating everything before and after. I mean, it's just kind of endless, you know, and then monitoring and screening them in between doctors and stuff and then the other, you know, sibling, you know, does laundry once a week. You know,
0: you're <laughs> kind of going, well, no
1: wonder I'm overloaded. And so breaking breaking down those tasks not by just a title, but actual things you have to do. And then I think also really looking at what you have said. What am I good at, and what am I comfortable with? Because some things right. we're not, we might not be comfortable helping somebody in a shower. And, right. you know, that has to be taken into consideration as well. And mm-hmm. a lot of times because the others think, oh, it's just fine, you know, it's not a big deal. Well, it is to that person, and that's going to have an effect in terms of how that shower goes and how the exactly. person caring for it feels. So it's, um, you know, it's just really important. I, I'm so glad that you're, you, you've got this grant that you're working on um, because I think that peer-to-peer support is, so critical, and I think you're you'll probably find what we did with the memory cafes was that it brings some normality back to a life that can get out of whack kind of quick um, oh
0: absolutely absolutely and you're you're right when you say so quickly because and it sneaks up on you, I think. Yep. You know, I, I I watched this just with myself recently. As all everything was seem, seemingly going along really well, and then all of a sudden, I just started hearing myself talk about the same thing over and over again. I'm like, "Wow, this issue, this piece of my caregiving role, is not okay with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not serving my sister well by handling yep. this piece."
1: yeah and that's that's an important thing to be able to analyze and I mean, there's a lot of families too where it's just uh you know you're the one and only, and then what do you do you know when that when that comes into place, and it might be that you need to really look at hiring out and I know people always fight that um from a comfort level of strangers to you know um I can't afford it type deal, but um, it's something I think that does need to be looked at or tapping in and opening the door for others to help. And I I know for me, um, and I don't know if you fell into this trap, I fell into the trap of, oh, I can do it. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to do it. It's expected of me to do it, so Mm -hmm. I will do it.
0: And then all of a sudden
1: you hit that brick wall going, oh, my God, I can't do this all by myself. Right,
0: right. You're right.
1: Yeah. Mm. No, um, I know you you're so good with um helping people through these tough discussions and stuff. How do people handle it if they really just don't get along with their family and there's There's a lot of families out there that aren't the fathers knows best i mean there's a lot of dynamics, a ton of baggage. Um, what are some recommendations that you that you have for them
0: i One of the things that I do because I've worked as a caregiver coach. So, the people that generally have difficulty with their family and yet feel that they need to somehow help, they have found me, and we really just talked through what are what, kind of separating what's the issue, what's the care that needs to be attended to. Let's separate that from your relationship. What's the care that has to be delivered to mom or dad or the support that has to be given to them? And if we can just look at that and break it down, then we can separate, well, what is your relationship and, you know, what parts can, going back to what we said earlier, what parts can you do, what parts can't you do? But even beyond that, this is a time when the adult child can find healing in their relationship with their mom and dad, whether it's alongside their mom and dad, you know, taking part in, or them getting help for themselves and working through these issues. Because even if they don't do any hands-on caregiving, but they've got these issues, they're going to stay with them even after mom and dad die, so it's good to work through them now. And now is the time. It's kind of like bringing this opportunity back to you, saying you haven't. You know, these are some issues that are really deep and are harming you personally. So now is the time that you're you can look at them. So again, it's it's for me. It's separating What care does mom and dad or support do they need, and who can do that? Versus what help do you need in sorting through your issues? With your family and your parents, and, and they they can be separate. They can go together. It depends on the dynamics of the family.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I like that you brought up the the potential of the healing because I think that happens so many times, and people are just taken back, going, "Wow, I like yeah. this person. I I I didn't know they were in there. We've never had these kind of conversations, um, right. especially sometimes with uh, someone with dementia." Uh, they're just kind of shocked, and it is a time to start fresh and clean the slate, and just say, "Okay, authentically, this is who I am, and I want to I want to be there for them. I want to be able to to give care to them, and th- these are my standards and my ways. And this is this is where I'm going to start because this yeah. is who I am."
0: Yeah, and I had a family member that I had issues with some really deep seated issues, and it came time that that person needed care. And I was actually w- working with a therapist at the time, and I was able to separate because I was working on my stuff, and he, this person, was not, he was unable to work through because there was some dementia. So he was unable to work through. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, can't, I couldn't expect him to be part of that process anymore, mm-hmm. but I could work through. And then I was able to c- give care, be part of his care team, and do it in an unburdened way. And, and when I say unburdened in that way, I mean I'm not having all these issues just kind of hammer at me or, or work underneath the surface in my head or bug me. You know, I was able to go in there clean, so to speak.
1: Well, that's nice. I, I think that's a nice separation that you made that, you know, this isn't like, uh, it doesn't have to be like a family counseling session. I mean, there's individual right healing that needs to be done, and, you know, your life is going to be separate, you know, anyways, at some point, you're not always going to be attached to this person giving care, so, you know, and and that relationship is going to affect your other relationships, so do you want to work through it? Do you want to put the effort? And I think that's sometimes where people get stuck. They don't want to sometimes feel the pain um and right. really realize what what are the issues at the crux of this cuz a lot of families don't even know um right. you know what happens you know i i had exactly. uh, a, an older brother that um you know when i was younger he he was really jealous of me when i cuz he had my folks for 5 years before i was born and there were things said i mean he didn't do anything physically but emotionally um where no one thought there were a lot of things said that is still baggage for me today and I you know I work through it and we both kind of worked through it but it's amazing the stuff that mm-hmm. can happen and I'm like I'm 53 let it go mm-hmm. you know but every now and then mm-hmm. something'll hit me and it pulls me back into that sure. that old time and I think you know we sure. all have that kind of stuff and oh I yeah As a society, we're embarrassed to discuss it, and I think that's part of the problem. You know, we think something's wrong, and it's like, this is just the way it is, and, you Mm -hmm. know, it's kind of a natural state that people ebb and flow through, and you shouldn't be embarrassed. You should be able to work through it um, and have support of your family and friends. Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, people always say, you, you hear that statement, oh, I'm parenting my parents. What do you think of yeah. that statement? Is that, is that true or not? Or What's your read on it?
0: I think it feels true to people and especially if someone is caring for someone with any of the diseases with dementia. I think that it can feel true. But I think it's a dangerous uh, statement to claim that I'm parenting my parents because they're still our parents and Parenting, a lot of times, means a hierarchy, that I'm over you, that I'm above you, that I know more than you. And I know it feels like, at times, we know more than our parents. It's kind of like we're going back to when we were 16 and we knew more than our parents, or so <laughs> we thought. You know, we, get, we, we click back into that and we think, oh, I'm parenting my parents. Because, you know, oh, they're so dumb or they don't know what they're doing or, you know, and that's with normal aging. With dementia, I know it's a little trickier, but still, I, I think it's dangerous when we assume that we've flipped roles and now we're, quote, in charge of our parents. That they've, they're still, they still always will be our parents. We have to learn how to approach them differently. In a more supportive way, especially if there's Alzheimer's there, that we have to relate to them in their reality. It's not that they're dumb, or they, you know, it's not not that they become a childlike stupid. It, it's that we we are needing to go with them with what age they're at, and but they're still they're still in they're still our parents. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, I just I just think it's dangerous when we start to flip the roles.
1: Well, and um, to me, you know, what I always tell people is, how would you feel if you're the parent and your child started um, you know, talking down to you, down
0: to you as,
1: mm-hmm. as a child? You know, it, it's about right. respect and dignity. So flip flip the role, and how are you doing it? Like with my mom, right. you know, my mom now is in her end stages of. Alzheimer's and has been for four years, and so she can't do anything for herself. I mean, grooming, right. eating, transferring—I mean, nothing. Right. You know, and she can only um, say a few words, and that doesn't always make sense. But what she has taught me is to communicate on a different level, look for different signs, right. because the reactions are there. I just have yeah. to look for them in a different fashion than what I did. Mm-hmm and then to, right. and then i try to um and have over the years put myself in her shoes of how frustrating that must be to not just be able to right. flip out a sentence and tell somebody where you're at you know and right. what you want or what you need and now now you're playing charades basically on a really severe level and um you know it's it's difficult so i i think it really is about the respect and understanding and also realizing when, you know, people might lose their filters, um, you know, which, again, happens a lot with dementia um, mm-hmm. through the process, there's a lot of gifts that can be given us back in terms sure. of humor, in terms of learning to play again, in terms of not taking life so seriously. Uh, okay. I know for me there's been great gifts of just looking at the world different. And to be able to see my mom play, and not that mm-hmm. she was always super serious, but she was very organized and, you know, she was, she was a mom, you know. She, she played right. that adult role. But to be able to see her childlike is a gift right. because I, you would normally never see that side of her. And right. so I think especially for families that might be going through some healing process you know give this give this new person a chance, this new yeah. personality that has right. has popped up. you might really be and, surprised,
0: and what you talk about too it's that that really it's that slowing down that we have to do and let that person continue to become who they're now becoming. Mm-hmm. It's hard because we we a lot of us don't want people to change, especially our parents don't change you know. And that's sometimes why we deny their aging because we don't want to look at it. No, they're the same. No, they're not having a hard time getting out of their car. They're fine. But in a sense, they're cha- they get to change too. And when they enter into that disease like Alzheimer's, they get to change. And yep. we need to go along for the journey. It's when we fight that journey. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard this many times. But I'll never forget working in uh the, the community that I worked, and this one daughter, every time she would come in, she would just be furious because she had to find mom's glasses and put them on her face. Well, mom didn't wear glasses anymore. That's mm-hmm. not who mom was right now. She didn't wear them. So, but the daughter, that's who her mom was. Her mom was a mom who wore glasses.
1: Oh, now, see, and that that's what I, I term freeze-framing and yeah. uh, where we can't no. let go because it's we make it about us being comfortable with who right. they are today.
0: That's right. And, it, right.
1: and yet we think we're being person-centered and we're taking care of them, yeah. and it has absolutely nothing, nothing to do with that person. It's all nothing about
0: to
1: do how we are feeling and how, what our right. perceptions are. And I think when people can step back and go, holy crap, that yeah. really is why I'm doing this. <laughs> um, right. It's a, it's a real eye-opener. Um, yeah. it is so common, and poor staff I mean they deal with families in and out trying to force you know the the square yeah, peg into the round hole all the time and yeah, um they do. do you have any tips for for staff or family in terms of how to how to communicate when that's happening?
0: What I have done? You mean when that is when the daughter is trying to force the glasses on? Yep, and, and even
1: for a staff person, maybe just to be subtle and you know, say not so much anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think for for me, I think it can go, I I if if the parent is willing in the or excuse me the um. Adult child is willing in the moment to take some. Hopefully the staff knows the family members well enough. If they don't know the family members well yet, I wouldn't do anything in that moment unless the resident was upset, Mm -hmm. you know, because I wouldn't want to make it a more uh, crazy scene. But then I would pull the family member aside afterwards, and I would just ask, um, you know, how do you feel when you come in and your mom doesn't have her glasses on? You know, who, and just try to get her, the daughter, to open up about that and then get to a point. I'll give you an example, a real-life example of what I did with my mother-in-law. When my father, who had vascular dementia, was living in a nursing home at the time and he was pretty unresponsive, she decorated his room with stuffed animals and beautiful trees and it was neat as a pin. Well, if you knew my father-in-law, he lived in an environment that was stacks of paper, unopened mail, no stuffed animals. And I just, we'd go in there every day, and then I said to Loanne once, I said, "Um, you like decorating John's room. Yes, she said, it's it's, it's neat. I said, yeah, it is. I said, do you remember um, his office? Oh, yes, it was terrible messy. I said, yeah, unopened mail all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, "Uh, he probably didn't ever have any animals i didn't see any did you know no and she looked at me and she says you're trying to tell me something <laughs> and i <laughs> said well i said what kind of environment would you like to be in if you couldn't speak if you couldn't verbalize she said well i'd like to be in where he is right now you know because she that's how she set it up i said do you think he would
1: oh yep
0: and she just said you're right no
1: powerful question
0: so oh, that, that's what you know. I, that's what I try to do, rather than pulling them aside right away in the midst of the commotion and saying, "You know, your mom doesn't whatever." You know, it's just that gentle backhand approach, trying to get them to see because what that fam, that daughter is doing is she's she's expressing her pain. This is my mom. Yep.
1: Um,
0: I don't want to see her change. Put her glasses on her. Yeah. So, you know, so I just come at it in a really gentle length. It's staff can certainly learn how to do that. But the key is, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It takes time. It's not like saying one phrase and it's all going to be fixed. It takes a little time to just come at it gently. And it might not happen the first time. It might not happen the second time you talk with the family member, but it might happen the third time or the fourth time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, It it is a process, and I I also just kind of want to make a statement that, you know, none of what we're saying is the perfect pill to fix this stuff because everybody comes with different baggage. And so it it really, caregiving as a whole, is about developing a toolkit of ideas um, and Mm -hmm. things you can try in different situations um try you know stepping out of out of the normal routine and just try something different but it doesn't mean that it's going to work every time or any time i mean it it just right. it changes it can it can you know what worked one day and you try it the next day might be totally different because you're coming in off a bad meeting and you're angry and your delivery system right. is different and it has nothing to right. do with the person you're caring for but it has to do with your baggage that a lot of times we're not even aware of that we're carrying you know with That's all right. of our nonverbals and stuff, so it's very important to you know get educated and you know just pick up on you know if you think something sounds like a like a little pearl to you, then hold it hold it close to you, keep it around, mm-hmm. and find mm-hmm. what resonates with you as a person because not everything. That that we say is gonna gonna work for everybody, and right. um, but but I think tapping into your own intuition in terms of mm-hmm. oh, that could work. That that's telling you something right there. When you get that aha moment, that's telling right. you go try that one. <laughs> that, that's that right. You um, now uh, you've got some some ideas too on how to encourage teenagers to to um, interact with their grandparents. When they're, yeah. you know, Can you give us some tips on that? Because I think families struggle with that, and I think the kids do, too.
0: Yeah, they do. I've used a couple of things, and some of the tools that I have in my toolkit, I, I do a lot with the mental fitness cards that I have. Uh, they're from a attainment company out of Verona, Wisconsin, and they were developed by a good friend of mine and my mentor, Marge Engelman, and then, Other people have developed such cards. You know, basically they're ways, they're exercises, games, ways to change your perspective and you know exercise your brain at the same time. But what I have found that I have used with some of the mental fitness cards and the thinking cards and all these tools is I've had families take them home, spread them out with dad or grandpa who has dementia, and put grandson in the room and just let them see what happens it's really an organic thing and someone usually picks up a card and they can start a conversation and it's not about what's wrong with grandpa it's not about grandpa doesn't understand me it's about this pyramid of blocks that we have to figure out how many squares are in it or whatever the case may be it's about something totally different And you could do that. There's so many tools out there on the market these now for brain exercises or or pictures, books. Sometimes I also use children's books. That's the other thing that I use is I, depending on the age of the child and the receptivity of the the child, I'll put out a a children's book that has to do with um, dying or the Giving Tree is one of my favorites. You know, a story that they can relate to, but. To me, it's getting out of the emotional. It's Mm -hmm. trying to leave the emotional and get something that's totally uh, outside of the box, so to speak. And I just love these mental fitness cards for that because I've seen them work with so many of my friends and clients. When they try them out and they say, hey, you know, Mom and I didn't argue about Brother John. Or um, I'll never forget the letter I got from... A woman who said she'd have been having so much difficulty with her grandson relating to her husband, with I think he had Alzheimer's disease, and now they're relating because they're relating over something neutral.
1: Well, you know what I like about your cards that I think is is um, different than a lot of them is they're kind of like a casual trivia where you can't get it wrong, and so no, the the concept is is simple and easy. And it can be just really enlightening to wherever that person is like. Can you give people an example of maybe a, a couple of questions and and um how that would lay out? I think that might be helpful for them.
0: Yeah, if I draw a card, I can draw a card that and one says, um, uh, do you remember can you can you draw your childhood home? Or draw your childhood bedroom? And you spend a little time drawing that, and then you can engage in that. Another one would be you draw a card, and it would say, "Oh, do you remember the things that your mom used to tell me? Like, don't run with a sucker in your mouth." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or how about this one? Or it's a doodle. It's a, a you draw a card, and there's a part of a doodle, and you get to finish that doodle. That's another one. So, and the other thing with with that are geared towards especially early dementia diseases with dementia. They're the thinking cards, and they've got pictures on one side. So all these pictures are extremely bright and colorful. And you lay them out, and it, you can pick a card, and you can have a conversation about the picture on the front, too. And okay. that can just be engaging.
1: Okay. Wonderful. Yeah, they're they're just very neat. They're easy to use. They're fun. And, you know, they don't have to be supervised. There really isn't any rules. You know, it's just it's just getting the conversation. You know, getting engaged. Uh, right. it, it's just a trick to get engaged, and and um, right. can be so much fun. So I think that right. that's really neat. There was um, I like too that you had mentioned the the children's books. I think those are great. In fact, later I think in November I'm having uh, it's going to actually be the editor on because the authors were are over in the pond and they don't speak English, but it's called My New Granny. And it's just a really cute book about how how has changed, um, mm-hmm. but how much fun she is now, and so yeah. how this child is really seeing her in a new light. And I think with kids, they just have that ability to go with the flow sometimes, so much mm-hmm. easier than adults do. <laughs> and right. in, in terms of the change and. And now I'm going to ask you because this is something that I've seen a lot when I would go into the schools and do some education. Um, I would see kids that really want to help, but really aren't being told what's going on. Have you do you run across that where where families try to protect the kids so they yeah. don't know?
0: Right, absolutely, yeah. and. Uh, and, you know, I think that's there's some fear in there, and there's some not understanding yourself or, or going back to that. There's emotion on the parents' part that it's too difficult to talk about. A tool that I have used there, and that also comes from Attainment Company, and it, I don't know if, Laura, I've ever even showed you this, but I'm pulling the book right now as we're talking. It's Resources on Alzheimer's Disease, and it's the workbook says for gerontology professionals, but it's written by Gail Peterson, and Kim Peterson, Kim's a medical doctor, Gail's a Ph.D., and they have this DVD that goes with it that I have used with high schoolers. And what I find fascinating is the DVD is broken into basically three sections, and in each section there's a narrator who talks about what changes are going on in the brain in this first part. Then you've got an actor and actors acting out what might happen, and then you meet a real person who's in that stage.
1: Oh, okay. And it's,
0: it's really beautiful because it breaks it down so easily, and there's also, you know, tips for caregivers and how, you know, dementias are assessed, the different assessment tools, but the part where it talks about the stages are so beautiful with these examples and when you meet the real person it's extremely touching and if you're able to turn the you know just turn the DVD off at certain points and and discuss these different parts what I get from young people is I didn't know I thought grandpa was just old and that's what happened to old people Mm -hmm. you know I didn't know this had to do with their brain like this um and then and then you can teach them how to interact. It's it's a beautiful beautiful
1: tool. Oh gosh, if you think of it, if you can email me that information, I would love to have them on the show. And yeah. um talk yeah. about that and get them listed in the the resource directory as well would be sure. would be would absolutely bet. wonderful cuz yeah, yeah I, I, I there's not enough information, you know, for for people right. out there. That's that's for sure. To be able to uh, to grab a hold of, and and we need it all. And when you were talking about the kids going, well, I didn't know. Um, I just thought that's what happened when it got old. When someone got old, I remember being told that when I was a child. And oh yeah, my my favorite aunt got dementia, and I was so devastated. I felt like I was the closest person to her, and we went to the nursing home, and she knew everyone but me, and I. Kari, I sobbed for like two weeks uncontrollably. I was just like, I, I couldn't believe, uh, you know, I must have done something wrong.
0: Wrong. I mean,
1: I just really beat myself up just horribly. And my mom would just say, honey, that's just what happens when people get old. And And right. I remember, I was 13 years old, I remember saying to myself, you know, I hope no one ever has to feel the way I feel. I'm going to do something someday to help people never feel the way I feel. And then I kind of laugh at where I am today and what I'm doing because right. whoever would have thought. And then, you know, you let that thought go. And um, 40 years later, here I am on this right. advocacy thing for um, improving our dementia care culture. It's right. kind, of a, kind of a wild ride. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Now, people always ask, you know, what are some tips? to keep me sane as a caregiver what are what are your words of wisdom here
0: i think it's uh, the biggest thing for me in keeping sane is remembering that it's not about me that mm. it's not it's not all about me that this is you know if if i come in and my sister is mad at me or yells at me I can't take that personally. I can't take that personally. And that that's just a constant reminder that wherever she's at with her stuff it's not because I did something. I'm not that powerful. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and so it's it's stepping back and realizing that, you know, not to take things personally. And that's, that's, that's a that's really
1: difficult thing to do cuz we do yeah, not teach yeah. that in school. I mean no, it, and it seems like when that hits us we're in crisis you know or we're feeling in crisis and so I think it complicates it even more because it's not taught that we're not all that and people right. do have their own stuff going on and we've right. all we've all blown off you know or blown up on somebody and and known that we had no right to do that because right. it had nothing to do with them, and most of us take right. it out on family members because they're the safest. But yet we don't right. turn we don't turn that wheel and go, oh, that's what happened here. <laughs> we right. Just, we just go to kind of beat ourselves up. Yep. Yeah, that's. And um, I, go ahead.
0: And I was going to say, I think too, not so not taking it personally, and also really finding that support that you need and making that time for yourself to get away and to rejuvenate and that's and people say I don't have time I don't have time well one way or another you're going to get sick and it's going to force you to have time in bed sick or you know you j- just need to make that time for yourself and I always say don't doesn't have to be a huge thing uh, yesterday I escaped outside for uh an hour just raking, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is soothing. I like doing that. But just to get out and do something, or you know, finding that support group that is so important, so that you can let this stuff off your chest and out of your heart, so that you're not carrying it. Doesn't it doesn't turn into self talk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's such a dangerous thing. It's to catch that self talk.
1: I'm yeah, not that, doing that, enough. I'm not good enough can do an awful right. lot of damage. Right. right. <laughs> I know mine can. And yeah. um, trying to get it to shut up or just putting it down, going, okay, I heard you. Go away now.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then the other way to keep saying for me is just a lot of humor and not take life so seriously. Yeah. My 11-year-old, when my nephew was 11, one of my nephews, he was walking with me and he says, I've learned that I'm not going to take life so seriously. And I just looked at him and I said, that's a really good lesson to learn at 11. <laughs> yeah, <Hold laughs> you know, that eleven one tight. years old. Yeah, you know, cause it, and to realize that there are crises, there are, there definitely are, but to to assess, is this really a crisis?
1: Well, and don't and you think you. so much of our time is worrying about what could be that never oh, yeah. is? Yeah. and and that's another thing. I guess this whole caregiving thing has really. Um, made me not worry because i don't have I don't have the luxury of the time to go down the rabbit hole, and so that's been a gift so i I rarely worry about much of anything, and yeah. people go, well, what if and I'm like, I can do the what if I just don't have to go down the hole. I can be prepared mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. but it's looking at it from a whole different angle than right. you know, oh, you know what about this? what about that? I really try to focus on the positive, and, right. and, again, that's been a big gift in terms of learning lessons because I used to be the worry ward. I used to be, heck, I was the worry ward for everybody. Drop your stuff off. Come on, you know, go have fun. I'll, I'll take care of that. Right. right. <laughs> and I think, there's, I think there's a lot of people like me out there that were taken oh, on yeah. the world, and it's right. not healthy. I mean, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, not not a good not a good thing to do, um, no. and don't you think too when you take those breaks that you just get reenergized so that you can be a better care partner?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. There's just no doubt about it. I can tell when I'm not doing healthy caregiving, and it's generally because I haven't taken a I haven't taken care of me. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I can, I, you know, when I when I'm getting really stressed, I I lose my sense of humor because yeah. it, I, I'm taking yeah. everything so serious because I'm so exhausted. I had uh, I tell a story where I had girlfriends that would just, you know, really, in in my opinion, they were bugging me to go have a cup of coffee, and I'm like, I don't have time. I have stuff to do. You know, I'm working full time. I've got a daughter with activities, and you know, I'm taking care of my parents, and I'm volunteering, and I'm you know, it was all about me. I'm doing this, I'm doing this right. and and I was just really focused on getting all this stuff done and one day I had a really bad day. And I just said, Okay, I'll come for ten minutes. For ten minutes I will bless you with my presence. I mean that's kind of how I almost felt, you know. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. So they'll stop calling me because it was just it was a it was an irritant and Oh my gosh! I from that day forward, I stayed for two hours, and we laughed and we cried, but I did not realize and tell them how empty I was.
0: Mhm. And mm-hmm. so
1: then every week for two weeks, or, or, or every week from from there forward, we got together for two hours, and that was I mean I just looked forward to that because I could. I could vent, I could laugh, I could be normal. I mean they just accepted right. whatever and I just thought, How did I lose this? How did it, how did I lo- how did I let this craziness take over and lose that core of of who I am, who I wanna be and um it was amazing and I, I thank God to this day that they bugged me is, and, and were so pursuant of, come on, Lori, just have a cup of coffee. They were such good friends. They saw what I couldn't see at all. Right. So right. for our listeners, if you've got someone going through that, don't give up on them. You know, they might be like me where they're just so overwhelmed. But um, one day, you know, hopefully they'll they'll come out of the closet and, and join you and realize they they need that energy boost.
0: Right.
1: Exactly. Um, now, exactly. Kari, how do people? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you before I even go here. Um, are you still doing uh, caregiving coaching at all? Or
0: I am. I am. I don't have a lot of clients, but I am. I'm available for that. And you can just you can easily go to my website and find the coaching section there and caregiver support section, and that's how you get in touch with me. Okay. And, uh, you know, Kari
1: just does a beautiful job if you're looking for keynotes and breakout sessions and her radio show. Um, they can get that from your website as well because that's just they can. really fun. She just does yeah. a marv- marvelous, marvelous job with that. And she's on Twitter and I would imagine Facebook and LinkedIn. And, yep. you know, she's the girl in the social media world there. So um, yeah. what what contact information do you want our listeners to have for you um it's, is it,
0: the easiest is just KariBarrett.com, K A R I B E R I T dot com. dot com or UnexpectedCaregiver.com dot com gets you there.
1: Okay. Is it unexpected or the unexpected?
0: For my website it's just unexpected. you, you know, okay. you'll get there for sure if you, you yeah, and if you Google unexpected caregiver, you'll find me too. Um but KariBarrett.com gets you to where you need to go.
1: Wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for your time today. Is there any last words of wisdom that you want to share with our audience?
0: I think, yes, just to embrace the journey. Embrace the journey. It is a journey. And that
1: it is. That's what you're, that
0: that you're
1: that here to embrace. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, when people are going down that path, too, I mean, sometimes we fall off and, and. You know, we do things that we might regret or want to do different. You can hop back on the path again, you know, and take another That's direction. Right. You can change things at any time. Um, so, you know, allow your, don't beat yourself up. Just know that it's not about perfection. It's about progress. And, um, you know, the more you can be, I think, spontaneous, uh, the more sanity you'll have. Um, that's, anyways, one thing that I found for myself. And I don't know if you would agree with that statement or not, Kari. What do you think?
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, and you're so right, too, that you can – I like the fact that you said you can hop off because it it is something that sometimes we, we think we're going down the right path and then we need a break or it doesn't feel right and then we have to go a different way. There is no perfect way to do this, but there are resources and tools out there to help you. And that's important too, to ask for help. I say that that at the end of my radio show. Ask for help. Yep,
1: definitely. Wonderful. Well thank you so much for being with us and sharing all your words of wisdom and your stories and and for your cards, your, your brain fitness, um, those can be gotten off your website as well.
0: Yeah, and they're not listed on my website, so if your listeners are interested, in just have them go to my website, unexpectedcaregiver.com or karibarrett.com, and fill out a contact sheet, and I'll get them to you. I recently redid my website, and so we haven't quite put the store back up.
1: Okay, wonderful, because they are very, very, very neat. And so, yeah, I would love people to be able to to get those. Um, if they're interested. So, well, you have a wonderful rest of the day, and thank you again so much for all your time and expertise. You're you're just a blessing to have out there, Kari. So very much appreciated. Thank you. Bye now. Thank
0: you. Bye-bye.
1: Well, for all of you who are listening, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show, but I want to just mention a few uh, shows that we have coming up here. On the 18th, we're going to have Eileen Smith, who is the author of *The Black Hole*, and she used to be the uh, director for the New Zealand Alzheimer's Association. And then on the second half of that show will be Jan Hughes, who is a personal caregiver for her husband Michael, and she's going to be talking about her caregiving role and some things that she has, uh, she's you know come to realize on her journey. On the 23rd, we're going to have Dr. Pam Heidi. And then on November first, we are going to have Monica Helmtees with Mind Start. and we're also going to have Dr. Gordon Atherley of the Family Unites a uh, Family caregivers Unite radio show. And so we've got lots of lots of fun shows coming up so I hope that you'll be able to join us if for whatever reason you can't join us live. Again, you can always listen to the archive shows and feel free um, to we us if you have a Twitter account or share it on Facebook or email the episodes to a friend. We would um, encourage you to, to help support us any way you can in terms of social media and spreading the word so that others might get this information as well. In the meantime, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and remember the three things that your memory chip teaches us all to be person-centered. Instead of focusing on the task that we have at hand, focus on are they safe, are they happy, are they pain-free? Because when we do that, we pull our emotions out of it and really are able to give solid, person-centered care. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and close. Till next time, bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show.